What's up, everybody? It's Judith Thick Hope. You're listening to Mad Love. What's going on? Happy uh, Wednesday. Good morning. Welcome to the show. So, wow. I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. I slept in longer than I normally do. Uh, so I haven't been thinking for the last two hours <laughs> like normal. Um, but yeah, you know, I want to thank everybody for listening. There's been a surge of listenership. Uh, I want to thank all the people who have agreed to come on, past and future. Uh, you know, it's just, I really enjoy doing this. And it's uh, great to know that people are listening because then it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm not really wasting my time or anything or just talking uh, to the wind. Because when you start doing these things, you know, you're like, who's going to listen to this, you know, for real. And then you start getting into it because early anchor had a community and people would call in and support you and tell you, you know, they love listening to your podcast. And so, yeah, and then, you know, my cousin and my friend and a couple other people would, would listen. And so you just keep going. And so then to get to this place where we have so many listeners and downloads and I mean, it's just dope. So thank you very much. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. And, um, it's nice to know that some things I say resonate with other people because, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a nice thing to know. And it is hard. It's hard to get out here and create. I've had more than one person, um, start a podcast and tell me they're going to do a podcast, but you know, you got to be consistent with your content. Um, you got to have a strategy and, uh, blindly or arrogantly, whatever, believe that, you know, this is something you're going to do every day or every week or, you know, and it's hard to create content. It is not for me because <laughs> I didn't, uh, I didn't have grand notions. You know, it's like, I, I have an opinion about almost everything. If it's on my radar, I have an opinion about it. And I don't mind sharing that, you know, and I, you know, I've had an interesting life. My shit is nuanced. So, and I know how hard it can be, you know, when you're out here and you're struggling to build something and, um, not just the podcast, but the podcast, there wasn't even this technology when I was starting my career in film. That's, that's what's incredible. I remember I've told the story before I was, I was 17 uh, my parents dropped me off at Howard. My parents didn't go to college. So they were pretty much like, we got you here. I think they spent one night, maybe two max uh, in D.C. with me. And um, my brother was there, too. And so they so we really didn't stay that long. And they or they didn't stay that long. They drove me up there. They found stuff for my dorm room, like, you know, towels and sheets and all that kind of stuff. And they helped me move my stuff into the actual dorm. And then they were like, okay, good luck. <laughs> you know, my mom was crying like, I'm, you know, and, uh, I was emotional. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to miss my parents. Like my parents aren't here. So for the first time in my whole life, it was like, Oh my God, I got to figure this out. And so they left and, um, I had to register myself. My father had uh, left me money to pay for tuition. So it was good, but, or maybe even he paid. I can't remember, but my tuition was paid, but I had to pick my classes and I had to do all the administrative stuff myself. And I remember I was going to major in English 
And uh, they had a weird requirement at Howard that to be a liberal arts major, you had to take swimming. Well, I wasn't going to take swimming. I mean, it's like, I don't want to get wet in the middle of of the day, you know, and classes ran from September, no, August through December. So I was like, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do that. So then I said, what else do they have in here? So I just kept flipping through the book, found the School of Communications. Then I saw this major called Radio, TV, and Film, and it was just all these film classes. And I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. So I, you know, I became a film major just off of a fluke. In fact, the way I even got to Howard was sort of like a fluke. But now that I look back, it all feels like it was divine guidance, you know. Um, I I took film and fell in love. I finished my major classes because I loved my major so much. Like first semester of my junior year. So by I had one class to take for senior year that was a requirement for film. And then everything else was... Uh, I wound up taking all kinds of classes, I, real estate. I took a voodoo class. Uh, actually, it was called Magic, Witchcraft, and Healing. It was very interesting. That if, if I recall correctly, the professor was like, she she kind of seemed witchy in my memory. <laughs> like she had cast some spells or some shit. It was deep. So anyway, I'm saying all that to say there was no podcasting when I picked my major, but. Um, you know, it's been a, such a, a, a journey to be able to express myself creatively because I had an internship at Warner Brothers um, while I, I was a junior at Howard. I got a inaugural um, internship uh, with Time Warner at that time. And uh, I got out to the studio and they parked me a, like down the street doing something in international video an office job. And I was like, dude, I'm a film major. So I lobbied the lady, her name was Lisa Hook. I lobbied her to help me get on the lot for at least two weeks because I'm a film major. And um, I don't know, she was very nice because she was like, okay. So I got two weeks to ride the desk (laughs) for some VPs in film. Um, which wasn't exactly what I, I really would have preferred to be on set or something. But, you know, at that point I couldn't really complain. And I immediately knew, I don't think I processed how hard it was going to be for someone like me to have the career I wanted, but I knew it would be challenging, just not how challenging, because there was just like no black people in there. I think, uh, there were no black VPs, um, that I met, not on the film side, maybe on the music side, but not on the film side. And I think the only black person I remember seeing was, and I, he wasn't, I don't think he's black, Biddy Medina, the producer of of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Jennifer Lopez's manager. At that time, I remember he walked in, he was sort of like a big deal in music because everybody was like, Benny, and, um, you know, he was the only person of color I remember seeing. And I was thinking, gosh, this is going to be really... And the people were mean. I'm not saying they're mean people, but they were mean to me. Um, It was not like a super fun experience. But I learned from it and I remember it. But I also remember thinking, in order to have the career I want, I'm going to have to really... um, I'm going to have to really... (laughs) work around the fact that there aren't a lot of people of color 
in this industry and in the conversations that they have when they're comfortable these these rich uh, executives were racially insensitive and you know I just I really had my eyes opened and then I went out a couple years later after I graduated college and that's when the me too stuff was sort of thrust more into my face and I'm like okay so the studios you know are super um I don't know, one side, race, kind of racist, kind of sexist. Um, and then, you know, when you're out in the real world, too, with filmmakers, that whole situation is you need to catch their eye and, you know, wink, wink and sit on laps and kiss people's teeth, you know. And I'm like, this is not who I am. And I always thought the writing would just stand on its own. So it was very, very eye-opening for me, Uh and so, yeah, for somebody like me, my career would take this long <laughs> because I wanted it on my own terms. And now I'm of an age where I don't do anything that's not on my own terms because I don't want to. And it's good to get older because your body is smart and your brain is smart and it realizes, hey, I've been here a long time and I don't got to do that to survive. I know how to survive. And so... At this age in my in my life, I know who my friends are. I know who my friends aren't. I know how friends behave. I know how enemies behave. You know, I, I've been to all the movies and I know exactly how they end. I'm pretty sharp and it's hard to get things over on me at this point. So, yeah. And of course, uh, I've gotten tripped up on some stupid shit like everybody else. But for the most part... Slick talk doesn't go that far with me and I can call bullshit real fast. So it's just amazing to even get to this point. I had no idea what I was going to talk about this morning, but that's been my journey to get here. And I summed it all up in about, I don't know, six or seven minutes. But uh, that's literally been the last 30 years. And then I just came home and started working. You know, I came back to St. Louis and started working regular jobs and writing on the side. And I I don't... I'm not a braggadocious person. I don't know if that comes through or not, but I'm very confident about what I'm confident about. And I know I'm a good screenwriter. I do know that. And so finally, all of these pieces are starting to magnetize and come together. And it's incredible. And one of the things just happens to be this podcast. Um, And I'm not sure (laughs) what about it appeals to everybody, but you know, that's my story. And it's been a journey and it's been hard and I've left out a lot. (laughs) But um, it's so rewarding and fulfilling when something starts to work. And, uh, you know, you're not going to win if you quit. If, If you learn nothing from me, learn that your life isn't over at 25. Your dreams don't have to die because you didn't get to where you thought you were going to be by the time you were 30. Um, you can still experience deep, passionate, amazing love past 26. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you don't have to have everything figured out when you're in your 20s. Um, we live in a society where the pressure is almost... Uh, unrealistic and and that's not even a good word I don't even like that word it is it is insane the amount of pressure young people feel to be successful by 21 25 I want to drive a a Bentley well okay 
but you don't even have Bentley skills, most people. Unless you're a, a, a top-tier athlete in America, you're not going to f- make millions and millions of dollars at 17. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people just think they want the quick money. But the journey is where the riches are. Because once you, once you survive something, you start to realize that success is defined in many ways. Money is part of it. But, but who you become in the process is where the real rubber meets the road. That's where the real wealth is. Because you can't take away something that nobody gave to you. You know what I mean? Like nobody, I said that wrong. You cannot take from me my confidence, my experience, my talent, because you didn't give it to me. And the money that's coming from that is just a byproduct. It's the attitude that's bringing the money. It's the confidence that's bringing the money. It's the idea that I can pick up this thing and talk to you every day and, and, uh, maybe inspire you or encourage you or make you laugh or, you know, make you mad. You know, I'm sure I've said something that made people want to throw the phone down. Um, you know, just let's just keep talking. You know what I mean? Like there, that's the thing though, that, that drives wealth. Um, it's your passion that creates money. So, you know, these short term fixes to get in cash, like selling drugs or, you know, working a job you hate or marrying for money. Those types of things don't last because they were never real in the first place. So you have to find the thing that you're passionate about because when you're not making any money at it, you still love it. <laughs> That's how you know it's real love. It's the same with the relationship. If you love somebody and they got nothing to their name, but they make you feel amazing uh, and and you can see a future with them, you know, then you know it's real. But as soon as somebody loses their job or somebody uh, gets sick and you don't want to be bothered with them, then it wasn't real. And I've n- I know somebody who did that. Um, I was my friend is the actual victim, though. You know, she, she got sick. Her husband was like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Which is horrible. I don't understand. So anyway, the world this is not part of the original message, but the world is full of people who think they're good and they're not. I saw that on Insecure and it really stuck with me. Uh, you think you're a good person, but you're really not. And it's weird because there are a lot of people out here who think they're good people and they're not. That's a sidebar. Anyway, hold on to your dreams. That's my point. Be perseverant. Just really believe and have faith. And it's okay to switch dreams, you know. Mine happens to be good for me because it, you know, it's lasted all this time, but it's okay to switch your dream up. Just be persistent and consistent. And you got to have faith like nobody's business. Faith in gasoline will take you far. So please take care of yourselves. I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful week. Thank you for listening. I couldn't do this without you. I wouldn't do this without you. So Know that you're appreciated by me. You're respected by me. I got mad love for you. It's better than regular love, too. Regular love dries up. Mad love never goes away. <laughs> I'm like a uh, infection. I'm like an infection. I just stick with you, baby. <laughs> we went down some weird road there. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you.